Good morning. I want to welcome you here. It's great to see you here this morning. We're going to pause from the book of Acts. We're going to jump in to the story of Easter, the Easter message. Basically, the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. And what I don't want us to do this morning is I do not want us to miss some things that they missed back then. I don't want us to miss it this morning. So I need you to really pay attention to a familiar, familiar passage and a familiar story to you, but I want you to listen to it and I don't want you to miss it like they missed it at that time, okay? Before we get there, I gotta, I gotta make a complete confession to you right now. I am so glad American Idol is back. I'm serious. Sometimes when these American Idol contestants come out, they come out and you're like, they come out like, hi, my name's Jimmy. They're like, tell us your experience. Like, I've never sang in front of people before and I, like, I've, I've done karaoke in my room and that's it. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they sing and you're like, oh my gosh, get the golden sticker, they're going to Hollywood. That was incredible. It's like, I did not expect that to happen. Uh, on the flip side of that, there's someone who comes out and says, yeah, I've, I've moved to Nashville. The whole family's moved us into Nashville. We're in the music scene. I've been singing since I was five. My grandmother says I'm the next American Idol winner. And they sing and you're like, oh my gosh, somebody lied to you. Really, they just lied to you. You need a small group at a church to tell you truth. Hashtag plug to get into a life group. And so all of a sudden you sit there and you go, I, I really thought that you could do this and you, you didn't do that. And let's get real. Our text this morning has a group of people that are following this guy named King Jesus into a city and they are not expecting how he's going to reign and how he is going to bring about victory. It is a radical, radically different perception that they had. They expected freedom from Rome. And that's not what they got. They got something far greater. And as we take a look at Matthew chapter 21, 1 through 11, that's where it will be. You could turn there. And I want you to really camp out with me in Matthew chapter 21, 1 through 11, as we take a look at how Jesus is coming into the city. You have to paint the picture here for a second. Their perception is a little off because they thought he was going to free them from Roman persecution and bondage. I mean, certainly what's going on is we've seen this guy. We've seen this Jesus, this guy that's going on. He's healing people. He's made lame people walk. He's made blind people see. And just three days ago, he told this guy, Lazarus, who'd been dead for four days, he said, rise and walk. And he did. And the issue that what scholars say is that Lazarus was in the processional of people coming in to Jerusalem with King Jesus. And so, again, what do we have here? We've got a little bit of a different picture of what they expected this king to do for them because they did not understand their true need. And sometimes in life, we want something, but we don't get something because there's a God in heaven who is sovereign and says, I know you want that, but I'm not going to give it to you because I know your need. And we cannot miss his sovereignty when sometimes he says, I'm not giving you this, I'm giving you this because he knows exactly what we need. I want to read you a quote 
that sort of paints the picture for us about Palm Sunday, allows us to understand that yes, there was a donkey that he came in on, and yes, there are palm branches that maybe, I don't know this for sure, maybe your children will have one as we leave today, and that's okay. Maybe you had one when you were in children's ministry. But I'm gonna read you a quote that sets the stage for us about what Palm Sunday and what it really is and what it means. Again, my prayer and my goal this morning is for us not to miss King Jesus in the triumphal entry. So here's what it says. The glory of Palm Sunday is not that the long-awaited king parades into town amid the pomp and flair of natural human expectation. This is not a king of unchallenged pedigree, born in a palace, nurtured by world-class tutors, surrounded by accomplished generals, trumpeting into the great city to conquer his foe and lay claim to his crown. No, here is a Nazarene, a backwater purported to have been conceived in shame, a common laborer by trade, riding not on the noble stead, but the colt of a donkey. He comes not to brandish his sword and demonstrate his quality for the popular expectations, but to give his own neck to the knife and display his meekness in uncompromised sacrifice. He comes not to kill, but to be killed, accompanied not by generals and soldiers, but by 12 bumbling companions, one of whom will betray him, another who will deny him, and all of whom will scatter when the real, real conflict begins." So picture a minute that we're walking in this life with King Jesus and let's not miss him. Let's not miss him. Let's read in the text. Let's go to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read the whole thing because I really, maybe it's familiar to you. Maybe it's not familiar. There's several accounts in different gospels. But I, I really want to make sure that we really get understand the text and the flow of the text so we can break it apart together. Here's what it says in, in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Just a second, I want to make a comment. In 2013, I got the privilege of going to Israel. I stood on the Mount of Olives, and we looked over, and you could see Jerusalem. So when I'm reading this text, unfortunately, if you've not been there, you don't have a context of sitting, standing on the place, the Mount of Olives, where Jesus says, go. You're going to go, and I want you to get, get, get a donkey, and we're going to go into that city. It, to me, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Verse three says this. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them and will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, that prophet Zechariah, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Verse six, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. I want to direct your attention to verses 10 and 11, because that's going to set the stage for 1 through 9. 
Verses 10 and 11 say this. And when he entered the Jerusalem, the city was stirred up saying, who is this? And I'm here to tell you right now, it's King Jesus, and that's who we, that's who we talk about, that's who we, we sing about, that's why these kids are here, that's why those kids are back there, and that's why you're here. They're asking a question, who is this? And then they answered, and the answer was wrong. Don't let your answer be wrong. Because it doesn't have to be wrong. Here's what they said. This is the prophet Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, the Northwest Community Church, let me tell you this right now. He is King Jesus. He's not Prophet Jesus. If he is a prophet, he cannot do what he said he would do. He cannot answer our greatest need. He cannot guide us if he is simply just a prophet with good ideas. He is King Jesus. Let's let him be King Jesus. And so what I wanted to do for us this morning as we sit back and enter into the Passion Week, the Holy Week, where Jerry's gonna come next week and gonna talk about the resurrection of Jesus. And I want us to make sure we ask the question, who is this that we talk about this morning? Who is King Jesus? So number one, number one, King Jesus is a prophesied king. King Jesus is a prophesied king. You know this, and I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but let's just make sure we're all on the same page. We have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. The Old Testament is full of prophets who spoke on behalf of God. They were telling things that would take place. They would no longer be a prophet if what they said did not happen. There are several, several instances in the scriptures that talk about this Jesus that is coming Basically, what is talking about in this in chapter in verse two is saying, "Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey." So he explains the situation, and then we go back over to verse five, and it says, "Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, humble and mounted on a donkey." And that was by Zechariah the prophet in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus would come. And here we stand after thirty-three years of his public ministry. Jesus comes up, tells two folks, I need you to go get that donkey. All of a sudden, the floodgates of Old Testament messages about who he is. I want to stand here today and tell you that in order to say that he's a prophesied king, we've got to read verses that declare that he's coming so that we can see that he is coming, he has come, and he came to do what he wanted to do. And so here's what it says in Genesis chapter 3, the very first first sign that the rescuer is coming, that King Jesus is coming. We have made an absolute mess. Adam and Eve have, have, have sinned against the holy God, and because of that, all of you and I are separated from God because of that situation. In Genesis chapter 3, 15, we talk about this called the Proto-Evangelion. It's the first sign of grace and good news that's recorded in this great message of redemption. And here's what it says in Genesis 3.15. God the Father is putting a curse between woman and the serpent. Here's what it says. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Listen to this, listen to this. He, he shall bruise your head. This is a curse to Satan. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What's this? Satan, I'm never going to beat King Jesus. I'm never going to win. King Jesus is king for a reason because he's a prophesied king. 
It was told that he is coming. It's a bold declaration he's coming. This is a beautiful passage in Isaiah. Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6 says this. Listen, listen. Really pay attention to this verse if you've never heard it before. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Are you kidding me? That's so clear. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. That's sin. He, upon him, was the chastisement that brought us peace. And his wounds, and by his wounds we are healed. Listen, verse 6 says, and all we like sheep have gone astray. And we all said, amen? We are sheep. And it says, we've gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Here's what happens. And the Lord has laid on him. Who is him? King Jesus. That's him. And it says, he's laid upon him the iniquity of us all. It is an absolute, bold declaration that Jesus, King Jesus, is a prophesied king who is coming to redeem. So it's good news right from the very beginning of the story. Right from the very beginning of the story, we see right now, we're, we're taking a look, we see Jesus telling him to go get this donkey and go out there. We see that it's already been said, which demonstrates to us that he's a prophesied king. Number two, he is a humble king. The fact that Jesus came in on a donkey as king is a message we cannot ignore and we must not get over. They were confused about his purpose in terms of freedom, but he wasn't. Verse five says, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the foil of a beast of burden. Just think for a second, just think for a second right now. You're sitting here and you're like, okay, we have got a big problem right now. We are under Roman persecution and bondage. And what's going on right now is you are telling us that you're going to enter into vicious Roman territory. Now the Romans had overtaken Jerusalem. They were in charge right now. And so they're coming in to Roman oppression and you are going to be our Messiah and you're going to be our king and you're going to show up on a donkey? Are you kidding me? That's like, let's just put it this way. That's like hmm, Harley or moped. You know what I'm saying? It's like hmm, every day we choose the Harley, right? I mean, come on. And you're like, eh, on this little moped. It sounds like a lawnmower with wheels. A moped does. And here they are standing right now and they're going like this. You're telling us to go get this donkey and you're, that's your entrance? Okay, tell me plan B. And he boldly says there is none. We had a men's night several years ago and I had an altercation with a donkey. For some strange reason, I believe that it was Jerry's fault in this episode. He is our creative. Jerry is our, one of our teaching pastors as well if you're visiting with us. I want to make sure I don't leave you out. But we had a men's night at the Atterbury house, and they have a donkey. His name is Ned. And so um, there was a relay race of two teams to see who could be the fastest team to dress the donkey in gym shorts and a t-shirt and finish the fastest. My team was unbelievable. I was on donkey patrol where I would hold the rope that held him steady while a couple of friends put gym shorts, I'm not kidding, on this donkey. And finally, we got the shorts on the donkey, pulled them up, even had his tail out. And then all of a sudden, this guy, Matt Bosman, just all of a sudden took his hand and slapped the tail of the donkey, and Ned went running. 
And for some reason, I didn't let go. I did not let go. I had my hand on Ned. I didn't let him go. So in my mind, and now in your mind, we're sitting here going, okay, you're King Jesus, right? You, you got this right. You're, you're, you're a prophesied king. You're going to get us free from Roman bondage. This is our rights, and you're going to come in on a donkey. And like I said, he's like, yep, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Our next point really helps us understand a little bit more about the coming in on a donkey and what that means. What does it mean right now? Let me read you this first before we keep going so that you might have this in your notes. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in him in, in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And that was the death, the death on a cross, as we'll talk about next week, is, is reserved for criminals. Reserved for criminals. He is a prophesied king. He is a, humbled, he is a humble king. And King Jesus is also a peaceful king. King Jesus is also a peaceful king. You see, it's customary in biblical times that if you were to come riding in on a donkey that you were coming in peacefully. You are not coming in to start a rebellion. You are not doing that. It was not a surrender sign by riding in on a donkey. It was a message, a message to a lot of people that I come peacefully because I come peacefully because I'm going to give peace. But I also want to make sure that you are aware that there are two really entries into the city of Jerusalem. Because what's going on right now? Why are they coming into the city of Jerusalem? It's Passover. Passover really is a celebration. It's a festival, a Jewish celebration that God freed them from Egyptian and Pharaoh bondage. And it's a celebration. We learned about that in Exodus. And so every time during Passover, what would take place is everybody would gather in Jerusalem to celebrate and signify this situation, this festival. But since Rome was really in control, what took place is that this guy named Pontius Pilate realized that I can't let that celebration in Jerusalem take place. I need to be there because what I don't want to happen is some type of uprising happen among these Jewish people. And so on one side of the city, you have this king. His name is King Jesus, as we've talked about. He's a prophesied king. He's a humble king, and he's a peaceful king. He sits on a donkey, and they're coming and bringing him in. On the complete other side of the city is this guy named Pontius Pilate. And I've got some stuff that I want to share with you right now about it. They were riding on the best horses with the best army. Each soldier was clad in leather armor polished to a high gloss. On each centurion's head, they had hammered helmets gleamed in the bright sunlight. At their sides, sheathed in their scabbards were swords crafted from the hardest steel. And in their hands, with each centurion, carried a spear, or if it was an archer, a bow with a sling of arrows across his back. It said that the drummers beat out the cadence as they were marching in on the complete other side of the city into Jerusalem because of Passover and the gathering of all of these Jewish people. For some reason, I think it's a sovereign reason, the Romans allowed the Jews to come back into 
Jerusalem and celebrate Passover. They allowed them to continue to do that even though they were in control. And so it's basically you have the, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate and he sees the beginning of the Passover and he's like, I, I need to make sure that nothing gets out of hand and I need to make sure that I'm still in control. So the king is coming and he's coming humbly and he's, on, he's not on a stallion, he's on a donkey and he's declaring a message to them that I'm coming in peace. I am not coming to you to start a rebellion. I'm coming to bring redemption. That's what he's declaring. So he's riding peacefully on this donkey and he comes in. And the next thing I think that we need to see, and I don't want you to miss this, is that he is a prophesied king, he's a humble king, and he's a peaceful king. I don't want you to miss this. I don't know what kind of unrest is going on in your life right now. But I want to declare to you that the king, that King Jesus can give you peace in your most disrupted heart right now. I want to let you know that he can put it all back together. I want to let you know that it might not be in your time, but it will be in his time. I want you to know that he has a great lesson for you to learn, and I'm praying that you will be able to learn it. I don't know if it's the marriage situation that is a mess right now, but I'm telling you right now, your spouse is not what brings you peace. King Jesus is what brings you peace. I'm telling you right now, you might be frustrated with your kids. Your kids do not bring you peace. King Jesus brings you peace. And direct them to him. Don't miss what he brings. Don't miss who he is. He is peace. He gives peace. Not like the world gives, as John says. And there's... Our kids, some of our kids are so caught up in sports and college and grades and our grades and our, our, our sports, they don't give us peace. Only Jesus gives us peace. He declared that by what he did this week and next week. And he declares that by coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. Amen. Coming in on a donkey. And this is my favorite one right here. And the point number four, he is a saving king. He's a saving king. Who is King Jesus? He is a saving king. Verse five says, behold, your king is coming to you. It says he's coming to you. When you break down the translation of that verse in Hebrew, it's better, more properly stated is that your king is coming for you because he's a saving king. And in verse 9, it says, And the crowds, they went before him, and they followed, that followed him, were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And here's the key right now, is you cannot miss what they were saying this day and what they said several days later, which was, Hosanna today, but crucify him several days later. And that's why I started the message by saying, please do not miss who he is. A lot of us, with our words and sometimes with our actions, we preach Jesus, we proclaim Jesus, but then we don't live Jesus. And I'm saying here today that he is the savior of our souls. Let our lives show that. He is a saving king. The word Hosanna, like I said, literally means, I beg you to save. Their definition of saving was save us from Rome, but his definition was far different and far better. I'm going to save you from yourself. I'm going to save you from your sin. That's why I came. I'm not coming to usher in a rebellion. I'm coming to bring redemption. 
This next part, I'm going to try, but it messed with me all week as I was putting this together. But I just want to let you know something, that at Passover, it was tradition for you to sacrifice a lamb for the forgiveness of sins. They would come into Jerusalem during the Passover celebration. They would sacrifice a lamb. I'm wondering that as the riding ends are getting closer, what are they thinking? Where's the lamb? Abraham and Isaac. Isaac goes, we'll go up to this mountain. You'll sacrifice. Where in the world is, where's the, where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? Here's what we take a look right here is that Jesus is riding humbly and peacefully into the Passover celebration because here's what he wants to declare to you and here's what he wants to declare to me and here's what he tried to declare to them is I am the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist in John 1 29 says, when the next day he saw Jesus and he said, coming toward him, and he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's a saving king. Here's a quote for you. No creature could plan it like this. This is indeed God's doing. Palm Sunday and the passion to follow is no human creation, no happenstance of history. This bears the indelible fingerprints of the divine and this is very unveiling of the promised rescue in all of its strangeness and wonder. Only a king on a donkey could truly save our souls and fully satisfy them forever. King Jesus is a saving king. My question, is he your king? He can be a prophesied king, he can be a peaceful king, he can be a humble king, he can be a saving king, but the question we have to recognize is, is he your king? Everything we do here at Northwest is dependent upon us saying, no, I'm not going to let the world define this king. I'm gonna stand on the word of God that says he is a saving king. He was the lamb that was slain without spot or blemish and he can satisfy my soul. That's who he is. And if you're sitting here today and you're not a believer, then I would beg you and ask you, give your life to him. Let this Easter celebration and Passion Week be the day that you come and celebrate King Jesus. But if you are a believer, I want you to look at verse six because this is your action step. You always come away from a message and go, that's a, okay, that's, that's fine, Matt. Thanks for talking to us and thanks for preaching. But what I want you to do is what am I gonna do with it? And verse six is the verse I pray that you will memorize. Verse six is the verse I pray that you will not only memorize, but the verse that you will do. What does it say in verse six? The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. Let us call ourselves disciples of followers of Jesus, but let that be seen in our going and doing. Not for, but because of King Jesus. He's a prophesied king. He's a humble king. He's a peaceful king. He's a saving king. Let's let him be our king for the glory of his name. So, as a disciple, let us go and do as Jesus directs us for his glory, because he deserves it. The kids up here singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. You are the God who saves us. That's a beautiful, beautiful message. When they were walking in, proclaiming, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, they had a radically different definition of what saving looked like. Please don't miss how King Jesus has come to rescue 
save, and redeem. It is beautiful. I love you. Let's pray. God, I love you. Thank you so much for this triumphal entry of Jesus coming into the city to rescue us, to redeem us. And God, it is good, it is beautiful, and you are great. So I love you, I thank you. I pray that you would use this next couple of minutes right now to really help us understand who it is that you are. We recognize today that you are King Jesus. Let that not just be said in our words, let it be said with our lives. Let those around us know that as we, as a church, begin this passion week of remembering what you did. And, you know, this Friday is Good Friday and all that took place. May we not forget. May we be challenged and inspired to be disciples who go and do as you direct because you are king and you deserve it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.